1: Who said that? Portia Williams coming back to real Housewives of Atlanta? That's false, but Portia Grobadia is in the building. <laughs>
0: back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, our pop culture roundup. We're talking Miami, Southern Hospitality, Reunion, and the latest episode of The Traders today. So, ooh, strap in. We got a lot to talk about. Let's do some little housekeeping before we get into it, shall we? Um, this is going to be, like, this week's schedule, not that anybody cares, it's going to be a little bit different because tomorrow the 27th is my birthday, okay? And your girl wants to take, like, 14 minutes off of podcasting <laughs> as a celebration. Um, so because of that, I... Myself and um, Desi and Rachel from Hollywood Crime Scene did a almost – gosh, I think it was like a three-hour episode – Talking Love Is Blind episodes one through nine. Um, what we're what we've seen so far, leading up to the second half of the season, and um, that will be out tomorrow. It'll be out on Tuesday. I usually don't drop on Tuesdays, but that'll be out on Tuesday. There will be no episode on Wednesday, and maybe Thursday. I'll come back with Vanderpump. And maybe I'll come back on Friday with Vanderpump and Summer House. And we'll just see. We'll just see how I'm feeling. Okay? So, um, you know, you're not going to be without content. It's just going to be a little bit out of order and, you know, I don't think you guys care, but I'm just going to let you know. Um, So uh, if you guys want to, you know, celebrate my birthday, the only thing that I really want this year is for you to follow me on Instagram at everyone's business but mine. It would be a great help to me and my business. And, you know, I'm going to like try to do more there and build up more of a community there. I talk about so many things over on Instagram that never make it to the podcast. Um, So, you know, that's always a good time. Um, if you want to check out my Patreon, it's at patreon.com slash podcast. And right now, we're doing Black History Month-style recaps. We I just finished a recap of Season 1 of Blood, Sweat, and Heels. You can find it on Netflix. Such a great season. One of the best Season 1s of Bravo history, in my opinion. And this week, we're going to be talking the... Wendy Williams documentary that just came out. So heartbreaking. I don't know how I'm going to get through it, but we'll get through it together. Um, Yeah. What else? What else? I think that's it. Oh, I have merch coming out soon. Um, I said that it was going to come out tomorrow on my birthday, and it's not. <laughs> because I just really am like, I want to make sure that you guys are getting the best quality, long-lasting stuff. Like, there's only so much that I can do. Like, I can't hand-weave sweatshirts myself. But in terms of, like, what I can work with materials, like, I just want to make sure that you guys are getting good stuff and also that they're at, like, fair prices. So that's what we're working on. Hopefully, everything will be settled by, like, next week. But merch is coming in March. March, merch, 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 merch. So get ready for it. I'm so excited. I've got some designs that I'm really stoked about. And uh, yeah, I'll let you know when it comes out. Is that it? Yeah. I've said this like a few times before that somehow I'm like, I know I'm psychic. I know that. And somehow with these pop culture segments, there tends to be a theme. Like, I don't know if the celebrity, um, gods come together to, like, all have this sort of thing. But I feel like I'm, like, the Carrie Bradshaw of podcasting bitch. Like, somehow I'm typing away and I'm like, wow, all my girls are living the same lives and things are going down. So, as I was looking for my notes, what song came in my mind? But, um, whoa, 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 the ring didn't mean a thing. Every story I have about here is about people breaking up. So, let's just get into it because, what's going on should we just start with the couple I care about the least (laughs) it's it's Jackson Brittany I'm not gonna even lie to you guys like I don't you know it was like you know like what did um Vanessa Hudgens say about the about COVID in the early days like people are gonna die like isn't it like inevitable like that's how it kind of felt like this relationship like aren't we all strapped in for this to end at some point (laughs) soon like Before 2030, certainly. So, no surprise to me. But here's what's happening, if you guys don't know. Like, y'all know that Jax loves to drop a little breadcrumb and tease things from the moment he got kicked off of Vanderpump Rules. He had been teasing and posting um, uh, camera emojis anytime he could. Like, oh, coming soon. Finally, he hooked himself a little Gandoval-inspired spinoff. Bravo was in a Scandoval haze and they were like, well, let's greenlight this project. So now we're getting The Village, or The Valley. <laughs> the Valley? Yeah, The Valley. And um, that's that's what's happening. Now, people started noticing, because I think The Valley's about to premiere fairly soon, this week? <laughs> I honestly don't know. <laughs> but um, I think it's supposed to be premiering soon. And they, Jax and Brittany, have, like, sort of been dropping hints that maybe there's some discord in their relationship. Obviously, people are like, well, you guys are just drumming up interest for the show. Brittany has issued a very vague statement, like, you know, not everything I, nothing I do is for the show. We filmed the Valley um, months ago and like, I'm not going to be doing anything in my life for publicity or whatever, aside from being on a reality show and having a podcast. Um, But I, there were also pictures of Jax and what I heard was his publicist in a very loved up kind of selfie, soft launch, hard launch vibe. Like if you just saw that picture, you'd be like, what? And then you find out that it's a publicist and you're like, what? That seems even more inappropriate, but okay, girl. Um, and then people have been doing their sleuthing and, you know, cause I can't, because I'm blocked by both of them. <laughs> I'm blocked by both of them on Instagram. Um, and here's the thing, like, I feel like I'm not even really a troll, I This just feels, like, very targeted. I'm blocked by so many people that, like, I, I don't even know when I would have talked about either one of these two in the history of my podcast that they would have, like, felt some type of way to block me. I don't know what the hell's going on. But anyway, y'all did your research because I can't. <laughs> and um, uh, they found out that apparently Jax and Brittany have been posting on Instagram from what appear to be two different modern farmhouse homes. And the pools in the back are different. And so it seems like maybe they're not living together at this point. I don't know. It seems like they're still podcasting together. I don't know. You know, a contract's a contract, I guess. But, um, yeah, that seems to be the tea with what's happening over there in Valley Village. Now, let's get over to TikTok to... uh. Grisa Tisa, and if you don't know her, she did the 50, I think it went into 50 plus parts. I had to tap out at 50 because it took me days, days to go through her 50 part series called Who the Fuck Did I Marry, in which she details this relationship that lasted about a year and a half, maybe, with a man who she calls Legion. Legion was a grifter. These uh they were based in Atlanta that was like an added layer of interest to me kind of like hearing where the hell they're going and driving and uh you know like working and all of this that was like interesting to me but Reese Witherspoon makes it very clear i was ready to get married i had a timeline because of that i missed a lot of red flags or i intentionally walked past them and Just like, you know, that's my disclaimer is that I was like under the spell of marriage and family. I wanted it, and so I was going to get it come hell or high water. So she meets this dude on two different dating apps, she finds out. One on Facebook, which is like, to be honest, the first red flag for me. Um, One on Facebook dating, and then one on Hinge, maybe? I don't know. I think they end up connecting on Facebook, and then they later find out that they had connected on another app, but he had um, two different names. So she says, like, it was like... One profile said Matt, one pro- profile said Matthew. So, like, the same names, but, like, he used a nickname for one. Um, so she meets this guy. They end up going on a date. Or they're supposed to go on a date, but on the way to there, they're supposed to, they plan on meeting at the Cheesecake Factory. And on the way there, one of her tires blows out. So she calls Legion. He ends up, like, supermanning his way into the situation. He's paying for the tire. He's driving her here. He's paying for the service of getting the tire changed. Like he's doing all of these lovely things. And she's like, my man, my man, my man, right? They're hitting it off. He's charming. He seems to have some sort of like arena football background. He's got a stack of cash. He's recently divorced. He's trying to make his life in Atlanta. He was living in California with his family. And he's now divorced. He's got other family, like biological family in Georgia. So he's trying to plant roots there, right? So that's kind of like the general legion, uh, his backstory. So their relationship moves very quickly. It was a COVID relationship. Um, they meet pre shutdown down. And then they're like a few months into their relationship by the time Georgia shuts down and they decide, okay, we're going to like make this work and live together. She's got a three bedroom townhouse. He lives in a studio. Obviously, he moves into her place. So, oh, Lord. So I don't want to stop this woman's bag or anything. But I will tell you, like, the reason why it's 50 parts is that she has this steel trap of a fucking memory of all these incidents um, and situations in which he was, like, clearly a scammer, a fraud a a carpetbagger from the beginning. He um, would like, he was very adamant that they get a house and he was like, I've got all this money for my arena football career. And you know, I got approved for this loan. He's giving her, printouts of Wells Fargo. Here's your approval for your credit line of $750,000. So she's like, cool. She's thinking we're in a different socioeconomic status. She comes from like a humble beginning and is like enticed by this man. He's paying her rent. He. She's really just kind of like, Paying for like what, like the things that she needs, but like he's now paying her rent, and it's like, okay, well, she's feeling very secure. Like, this man seems like he's got it. He's working at some job, oh, at a condiment company, she says. She didn't say the name. He ends up working for Apple eventually, but uh, allegedly, but basically, like, they end up trying to go house hunting, and then it's like one thing after the other. They're like, not getting the house, not getting the house. She's kind of thinking, What's going on? There is something weird about this. But then he's saying the house is under contract. And she's like, okay, let me like go look and see. And then the website's saying, okay, the house is under contract. So she's thinking, okay, well, I guess things are all above board, right? The house ends up getting bought by, you know, actual People who were interested in the house, but he ends up getting away with it by being like, Oh, like it just something something happened, right? So they're house hunting for like multiple homes, and then it's just like every single time it's a last minute, something falls through. She gets pregnant at some point, she ends up miscarrying, they get married. Um, it's just like a whole slew of like clearly obvious lies. There are also points where the really biggest red flag for me was that Legion would have these conversations where he was saying, oh, I'm on the phone with my brother at like six o'clock in the morning because my brother works third shift. I'm working like early in the morning. So this is the time where we can catch each other. Apparently having a daily, you know, or at least during the work week, 6 a.m. conversation. He's telling her he's trying to get her a car. The car situation keeps falling through. He's claiming that he Has a company car from the condiment company that he got like a $90,000, you know, stipend for um, that he got a BMW, this is what he's telling her, um, and that he also wants her to get a BMW for their new growing family, a blue BMW X5 with a cognac interior. That's what she wanted, right? Um, So... Just like, it's just like everything he promises, it it just like ends up falling by the wayside and she just is left with nothing. And basically it comes to a head where she finally figures out his family. He's claiming to have this great community in this family. None of the family members fuck with him because he is a pathological liar. Um, He has used people. He's been married in the past. His wife left him because of, like, some bullshit that he was on and basically things come to a head where Risa Tisa finds out all this shit and she is, like, had it, right? Like, up to here and then some. She, like, is, like, you know, I normally wouldn't do this. But she was, like, imagine if you would spent, like, a year and a half attempting to have this kid's baby, this man's baby, the trauma from a miscarriage, all this shit, this man's been lying to you for a year and a half, She at one point gets in his face and says, I will beat you like the bitch that you are (laughs) before he ends up getting kicked out. Now, from there, they end up um, they obviously break up. He is now like scrambling all over the eastern seaboard trying to find a, a Uh, port in the storm any family member or acquaintance that he can crash with and he can't he's going up to philly coming back down three days later because they don't want to fuck with him he's um at one point risa feels bad for him because clearly he'd been living in his car he's losing a bunch of weight not showering so she gives him money she's like i gave him five dollars for some chicken nuggets (laughs) just to hold him over um and eventually he ends up finding out that he has some kind of squatters rights situation on her townhouse and so he's like oh as soon as I get gas money I'm coming back and I'm gonna live there so she's like freaking out and calling the cops they're like well there's really nothing you can do technically that is true because the, the, she got the divorce but the divorce wasn't finalized yet so they're like he does have rights to live there and if he can get there there's really not a whole lot we can do so then she's like ends up Having this, you know, bestie relationship with the chief of police in her town. And he calls her back and is like, yo, girl, uh, got something for you. Homie's got a warrant. So if he comes to the house, you call the police. Here's what you say. We'll come get him. So that's exactly what happens. And he's arrested without incident. He ends up in jail for however long, just like a short period of time. Um, and that day, that night, ever everything comes out. Like the cops are outside, the neighbors are all looking, she looks in her mailbox, and the divorce decree from the judge had been handed to her. And that's like official. Now he's divorced, she's divorced, he has no claim over the house, whatever. She ends up moving like a like a week and a half later. Um, just you know, she was already planning on it, and uh yeah, he ends up getting his car towed. And oh, the gag was he really, he really got her. She really got him. So I guess he had all these like Invicta watches. He had bought her a bunch of stuff. Like he had all these belongings in his home because he was living there, right? um She ends up moving, and in the divorce decree, I guess he didn't sign or he didn't read what was being said in there, which is like everything in the house belongs to her. Everything that he has. On him belongs to him, so he leaves the jail with nothing. His car's been repossessed, uh, the house has been emptied because she moved. All of his shit was gone. She donated it or gave it away, and he had nothing. And I guess he's like calling her car, her uh, work eventually because she's like she moved. I guess changed her phone number or blocked him or whatever. But he she's still working her same job. So he ends up calling the job and. She was like, give me the script. You can't call me again. I don't owe you anything. Everything that was in the house is mine. You should have read your uh, contract, sir. And uh, see you later. Bye. So all this shit has been coming out. Somebody did their Googles and found Legion. Y'all, if this story has not gone crazy enough, Legion now has a TikTok of his own where he is posting the wildest shit that most... Obviously, imposter shit. Like, this man is deeply unwell. Deeply unwell. I don't know what is going on with his skin. It looks like he's being eaten. Like, whatever's going on with Michael Rappaport's face is also happening with Legion. It's like he's being eviscerated from the inside out. I don't know what the hell's going on in there. And um it's it's bad. He's posting uh pictures, selfies of himself in the Netflix office, and clearly part of part of what she said is like he he would show her these bank statements but then she would do like catfish style reverse image search and those would be like the first images of like oh here's a chase bank account receipt here's a you know like the she was seeing exactly the transactions and and stuff that he was showing her were just Pictures that he found on the internet, right? So he's posting this picture on TikTok of him at Netflix. And very quickly, somebody was like, found the article of that very same picture. Like, you don't even have to find the picture. It's clearly poorly photoshopped. But it's like, Legion, what the hell's going on here? I don't know what this man is trying to do, but it ain't working. It ain't working. So shout out to Risa Teeth. I hope you get that BMW. I hope you get that trip to uh, Paris that he promised you and you never got. And um, I hope that works out for you. And by the way, I heard there were a lot of people actually saying that she made a bunch of money off of TikTok uh, from this story. And she corrected that very quickly and said, because here's how it works. Like if you go on TikTok on viral, <laughs> no, viral on TikTok and you end up doing well enough where you can uh apply for the creators fund. Nothing that you have done prior to your admittance into the creators fund gets monetized so if you've got like five million plus view videos, you're never getting money from that. You only make money from the videos that you make there so she says that she did not get into the creators fund. Until like halfway into their the story making process. Um, so she didn't get monetized for anything in the beginning. And then I guess something happened where she ended up getting suspended because some of the videos she had to repost. And so she ended up getting suspended for a month. So she's not getting monetized now. So she's like, I've got all these stories, but I can't I'm not going to say them. For the next, you know, 27 days because I want my money. So the 86000 the $100,000 figures they all heard, she says not even anywhere near close to true. So sorry, Teresa, for a lot of things, but I hope we have better discernment, a better picker for us all. Next up on the chopping block is, uh, well... Mary Brown from Sister Wives, unfortunately she announced on Fridays with friends and yes, I had to find this out through other channels because yes, Mary Brown has also had me blocked on Instagram. This one is truly not my fault. It's y'all's. It's okay, I'm not mad at you, but it is your fault and not mine. That that I know for sure. <laughs> With that being said, on Fridays with Friends, I did see the clip where she talks about um, the fact that she and Amos broke up. Now, if y'all did not know, she had this man named Amos um, that she had been dating since like October or something. She announced that they were together on her birthday and that they had been for like six months or so, but... People did their research on Amos and found out a lot of things from his past, like uh, three former wives. I think there were some financial situations happening. Like people just were doing a lot of digging on his history. And apparently, according to Mary, Amos got like kind of freaked out about that and didn't love it. Um, So Mary Brown's a free bird again. (laughs) Well, let's hope she doesn't flap her wings over to coyote pass and try to make something happen again. Cause girl, we're not doing it. Anybody have an uncle for Mary Brown, please email me. Well, email somebody else. Maybe email surviving sister wives. They're probably not blocked by her. (laughs) Okay. And with that, you guys so much happened. Portia Guabadia is Guabadia no more. And she is back to retaining her rightful crown as the princess of Thoughtlandia. And I said, let the people sing, okay? After 15 months of wedded bliss, apparently leading up to, like, as of last week, she's pretty happy. (laughs) Portia filed for divorce. Now, let's talk about, like, what the heck has been going on leading up to this because things are giving, and and I've got a lot of questions. I think we all do. Okay, so on, I believe, the 24th, I'm not sure, Portia announces that she is filing for divorce. This was on the 23rd, actually. Um, Portia says she's filing for divorce, and it says... There's no details given because this was a private filing, but sources that people stated that the divorce is unrelated to recent allegations involving Simon's past. And the cause of their split is quote, an inside an ongoing matter. Um, they got married in November, 2022. So if you guys don't know what is, uh, The allegations involving Simon's past, let's just get into it real quick, real, real quick. So according to the Atlanta Black Star, allegedly Simon's had a very murky um, um, Joe Giudicean way of Um, experience a relationship with the U.S. immigration system at large, right? So Simon's from Nigeria. He, last week, was denied permanent residency in the United States due to a criminal record, and he's currently appealing the decision, but it's not looking great for him. So Simon came back to the United States, or came first to the United States back in 1982. He had a six-month visitor's visa. He returns to Nigeria in 1985, so let's, let's say he got there January of 1982. He should have been gone by June and he did not leave until 1985. So, uh, then Kobadia, he tried to apply for citizenship after marrying his first wife. Um, he came back to 1980, came back to the United States in 1986 on another six months visa again failing to return home after said visa expired. He pleaded guilty in 1987, allegedly, after he was arrested for felony bank and credit card fraud. Now, it goes on to say that between 1988 and 1991, Simon was allegedly using a fake identity on his temporary resident pass. Um, and, like, failing to disclose his criminal past on immigration documents. And he was also allegedly arrested for an unauthorized use of a vehicle and credit card fraud and was deported in 1992. So he did file an application in 1988, which was approved, and he got a green card. But like I said, he was deported in 1992. So he returned to the U.S., applied for citizenship again in 2016 was denied because his temporary resident status was unlawfully granted. So between 2020 and 2022, Simon applied a couple other times. He was denied all those times. And then he filed a complaint complaint to challenge the decision in 2023, which was denied again last week. So, when all of this news happened, Simon was very, like, footloose and fancy-free, posting on Instagram a picture of himself in a golf cart with a cigar in his mouth, saying, happy Tuesday to all who ever overcame and persevered in his, in life. You're winning. Hashtag 42 years living in America. <laughs> I just would like to reiterate, this man is 59 years old, and this is kind of what I think every time, like, Lars says talking about something that happens on Instagram Like, I would, I'm significantly younger than both of them, and, like, this is so embarrassing to me, and it makes me real, it brings a chill up my side. Like, I'm a staunch 1986, like, right down the middle millennial with a capital M, right? And I'm seeing these people who are significantly 10, 20 years older than me getting in these, like, embarrassing social media behavior. Like I would never post myself in a, at, at almost 60, excuse me, sorry, weird noise. Um, but at damn near 60 years old. You would never see me being like hashtag 42 years living, like clapping back at the U S government for on Instagram. Okay. And Larsa, like, uh, I, just, <laughs> and then I think like, this is going to be normal behavior for my generation and I'm already seeing it happening with older people and I don't want to be part of it. And now I know like this is what's gonna be happening. Is it, it's like in 10 years, am I gonna be clapping back at somebody on Instagram posting from, an, from a golf cart? I hope not. I really hope not. Somebody, Larsa <laughs> posted a picture of herself once that she took down. This was like a couple months ago. It was a picture of herself like spread eagle and, like, attempting to look sexy, and uh, she just got roasted, and somebody said before she deleted it, Larsa, you look easy to draw. (laughs) And I think about that all the time, (laughs) because, like, she was just trying to be sexy, and the responses were just like, girl, what are you doing? (laughs) And, like, make no mistake, this is not, like, me shaming women of a certain age from being sexy on Instagram. Because you know what? Martha Stewart will be posted up in a one-piece bathing suit, and she be eating the girls down, okay? Down. All right? And I'm here for it every time. It's just, like, <laughs> this behavior that truly gives me the ick. But let me, let me finish up with Portia and uh, Simon. So, apparently, like, all this immigration and credit card fraud, scheming comes out and he's like totally chill right and then we're thinking everything's fine with them Portia is posting and I'm assuming Dubai um she's in one of those um they have jet skis now that are just like cars they just look like fancy like Lamborghinis on the ocean right so she and Simon were there and she's like you know oh be his peace be his peace and they're riding around having Grand old time, smiling in the sun, okay? Loving their lives. People announces that they're getting divorced. And on top of that... Um, you know, Portia announced her return to The Real Housewives like days before Simon's, uh, uh, you know, immigration stuff came out, and it's still pinned as lo- as well as her wedding videos on her Instagram. Also, she's still Portia Gubadia on Instagram. You can, if you look at her bio, maybe it changed, but as of this morning, Monday, February twenty sixth, it was still Gubadia. Um, she posted her announcement, and it was like, oh, who said that? Portia Williams has come back to Real Housewives of Atlanta? No, but Portia Gopati is. And it's like, okay, well, barely, barely she's not. So <laughs> what's going on, you guys? I say all this to say that I'm very excited because if y'all listen to my um, Ask Me Anything, one of y'all asked me, like, who do I think should come back? And I said, as much as I would want Portia to come back the worst version of Housewives Portia was married Portia when she was with Cordell and just like giving very um, I you know I'm a submissive wife, God fearing homophobe like that was the worst part because she was trying to keep it all together right and I thought like she's just gonna be doing the same thing with Simon like I don't want her I don't want to watch her rub, rubbing his ball head and, and like you know, putting lotion on his ankles. I don't want to see that. And now, thank God, we don't have to. (laughs) Thank God. We won. We all won. (laughs) So what do we think happened? Do we think if she's saying that this has nothing to do with his immigration, nothing to do with the scamming and the credit card fraud and him being the Joanne Prada of uh, Nigeria – why, and this was an ongoing matter, then it does not make sense that five days before we get this People Magazine headline that you were talking about be his piece. Piece of what, girl? <laughs> you said P-E-A-C-E, and I'm thinking P-I-E-C-E. Piece of what? A piece of history It it is relationship timeline is what it sounds like he's getting. So, y'all, y'all, I mean let's be real, much like what I said about, uh, Jackson, Brittany, like, we knew that there was a timeline on this relationship. We knew. And to quite a skip, like, I kind of knew, um, you know, like, I don't know much about Portia's, you know, I feel like she had some fertility issues, but I also felt like if they didn't have a kid by now, Portia just seems like somebody who runs very quickly, you know, like, historically, she's just like, she's, you know, she's just kind of like, she's a little fast, okay? A little roadrunner. And so to me, I was like, okay, clearly Portia would want another ha- to have another kid with Simon. And the fact that, like, a year into this, we've not heard anything about them having kids, that to me was kind of a red flag, to be honest. But, um, like, more of a red flag than, you know. The, the relationship as a whole <laughs> so basically what has been said what have they been saying about this okay so one porja filed or she um posted on instagram saying black screen as you know when you do your are very serious black screen white font thank you for your support um broken heart emoji Prayer emoji, PW. And everybody's like, uh-oh, we just, we we dropped the G and put the W back real quick. And then Simon posted a bunch of pictures of himself uh, on Instagram. And one of the stories was, we'll stop loving my wife when divorce is final. And then the other one, he's hanging by the pool, um, saying, enthusiastically welcoming spring. Happy Saturday, prayer hands emoji. <laughs> so... Again, like, just imagine breaking up with somebody at your big age, and this man, at his even bigger age, is posting prayer hands emoji and being like, uh, uh, happy spring, y'all. Ew. Ew. So, prayers up to everybody involved. I hope your love lives work out better than, um, better than they did. Okay, let's move on to what we're going to be doing. Timestamps, as usual, in the episode descriptions, but we're going to be talking Miami. Southern hospitality and then the traitors.
1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoted for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is sponsored
0: by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business... dot com slash everyone's business so saying fake te- fake tears the one want to fake tears Gertie, you're stop. gonna play that game Gertie, don't, stop. Play Gertie, don't play dumb Gertie, don't play, dumb. You Gertie, play dumb. Gertie, stop. You're dumb you're dumb don't you are dumb. Absolutely you're absolutely playing dumb i said playing I'm not, dumb. whatever don't come at me with that you did it on purpose and you're it. you know i can't win with you and i'm sorry about that can't, I, feel like, I can't win with you You i can't win with you you bit me you bit me on the guys and you know what oh it's my fault. you bit me and you're mad at me this is what it is you bit me and you're mad at me i'm Okay, you guys, let's quickly get through the finale of Real Housewives of Miami, since I didn't talk about it last week. Uh, So we start off with Larsa and Marcus setting up for their podcast, right? She makes it pretty clear that since that Michael laughing headline dropped, she would really prefer it if Marcus would be the one to address this and not her, so she didn't have to. And Marcus is like, cool, I hear you, but um, don't hold your breath in terms of my dad um, recorrecting anything with the media or anything like that. So they sit down to record their podcast. They talk about the article that came out. Larsa basically just repeats the same thing. Like, I really think you should be the one to address this because I don't want anything I say to be taken out of context. So what Marcus says on this podcast, I will never confirm whether this actually made it to uh, an RSS feed. But um, what he says is that, well, my dad was being asked a question if he repro- approves a relationship, and he laughed. And, you know, I guess the reporter asked him again, and he let out an emphatic, emphatic, like, no. And he says, that he actually knew ahead of time that this little paparazzi clip was going to come out because his dad texted him about it and wanted to make sure that nothing was taken the wrong way, which I got to say, I don't believe, because why wouldn't Larsa have told the girls that then? Why wouldn't she have told Adriana and, like, whoever the hell was there, Kiki, like, oh, well, his dad called him before and was like, oh, don't worry about it, like, why would that seems like the very easy answer, but this is not the answers that we're getting. So I don't believe it. <laughs> I, I, I straight up do not believe that this is what happened. Um, but then Larsa was like, well, there's nothing funny about it. I was kind of embarrassed. But then Marcus says, you know, if there were any red flags with regard to like my dad's feelings about you, I would have heard it by now. But my dad also hasn't met anybody I've dated before. And he just kind of, all he said was he was expressing concerns that I, he, I was happy, but, like, it's just really not that big of a deal. Who I'm more concerned about approving of my partners is my mama, and she loves her. She loves Larsa, so, okay, all right. So then we see Gertie go over to Nicole's, right? We have not seen her since the Mexico trip because she got real sick in the middle of it, and we just, like, really didn't see her. They're talking about Nicole's journey, She's now got the IUD taken out, and they told her, you know, wait a couple months for things to get out of your system. And so now this is the point where they're, like, actually trying to see if there are any issues with their fertility. Obviously, we know. It seems like everything's fine. So Gertie starts talking about how, you know, Adriana's got that upcoming party. It's going to be her last hurrah before she starts chemo. And then she mentions how Larsa brought up in a group text at some point how Gertie bit her. And we've seen a flashback at when they were in Mexico, they were on the gondola amongst all of the chaotic things that happened. uh, The mariachi, Gertie puking, um, Lisa screaming, not finding her lip gloss, trying to feed dogs on the side of the river. The, The random dog who was at the boat. We don't know if there was a human in the boat or if he was just, like, navigating the rivers himself. During that, uh, Gertie just kind of leaned over to Larsa and just, like, gave her a little love bite on the arm. And you could see in Larsa's face, she was like, oh, you could just tell she was going to carry this for as long as she needed to. And finally, she came out with it in a group text. And she also brought it up on the podcast, but she kind of brought it up in like a blind item. Oh, Somebody, I don't want to name who, but like they bit me. Somebody on the cast bit me. Gertie's obviously annoyed because she's like, I had this whole emotional ass moment, me and Larsa in Guadalupe in that church, and I thought we had like gone on another path. But then here she goes once again talking about me, turning stuff into fodder and like whatever for her podcast. But you know what? I've got more stuff to worry about. Like, Larsa, why don't you worry about your boyfriend? Why don't you worry about the fact that your boyfriend's dad doesn't like you? (laughs) And then she tells Nicole, I am going to have an issue with Larsa until she understands her place. Period. End of story. Well, don't hold your breath, babe. We do see Alexia move into her new apartment. She's talking about Peter, talking to Peter about Frankie and like what should happen in the future, how basically Peter is going to have to be responsible for Frankie. And also Peter is going to have to make sure that whoever he's in a partnership is aware that this is kind of going to be their lives. Right. And be accepting of that. And Peter's like, Mom, I already thought about that. Alexia does her speech about how Peter's like a late bloomer or something. Some people mature at a later date, and it's like, okay, well, I hope that's true. Let's just all hope and pray that that's true, okay? That's all we can do. Then we meet Lisa's mom and aunt who are down from Canada to watch the kids while she goes on vacation with Jody. (laughs) Now, I looked at her mom and her aunt, much like I've been looking at Lisa and her daughter, and thinking, hmm, there's a familiarity in their faces. And then they're sitting down and her aunt starts speaking, and I'm thinking, huh. Well, this isn't really a Canadian accent, is it? It does sound like something that would be not exactly my culture, but you know, maybe like an offshoot of it. You know, there's a branch. There are branches. And then Lisa goes, well, that's the Jamaican way. Sim Sima, who got the keys to my baby? I knew it. I knew Lisa was black. Every black woman that watched the show was like, mm. well, what's up, Lisa? What's going on here? We knew it. We did it. We all knew. <laughs> we all knew somewhere down the line was ours. Okay. I knew it. I've been texting people on the low because I'm like, I don't want to put this on the timeline. But Lisa, I think, is black. It, like, some some part of her is black. And now we know. Now we know. I know that there are white people in Jamaica. Please don't DM me. I know that. Okay? But I also know what my eyes are telling me. And my eyes are telling me I'm correct. Somewhere in there, Lisa is sister. Shout out to you, girl. Happy Black History Month. <laughs> Don't let her run into Peter Thomas. They still got a bar one in Miami. Oh lord, please help her. Help her. Help us all. Jody, keep her around for at least six more months before we think before we can figure out where uh, uh Peter still has a business license, okay? Cuz I'm, I'm uncomfortable. So basically, these women are coming to talk shit about Lenny and I was here for it. We find out that Lisa's got about a month in that house before she has to move out. And talking about how rude Lenny is and how rude he's always been and the whole Hochstein family, the mama, the daddy, the little son too, apparently they're extremely stuck up, like to the point where basically they just look down at anybody who doesn't have a certain level of wealth that they think is acceptable in their eyes and how Lenny just would not talk to Lisa's mother. Like, she would be trying to have a conversation, and he would just walk away in the middle of her sentences, how um, during the wedding, the Hoxteens asked to be referred to as a Professor and Mrs. Hochstein, like, wanted Lisa's mama to call them that. Ew! I know that there are people like that in this world, but this is, like, truly vile behavior. Like, I can't even believe that you would want to behave like that. And, like, Lenny, ew. Like, this is disgusting. Like, truly sick. And to do this to a woman of color. (laughs) Even worse. So, after that, Adriana goes to visit Julia at her farm. Apparently, she's selling uh, $30 bottles of jam. Jars of jam to people? Girl, okay. Adriana's got her big performance with uh, Emilio coming up, and she's very concerned that the ladies are going to start cussing and fussing, screaming, bringing a bag of dildos, and embarrassing her. She does not want it. And then we find out that Julia's got some real drama. Are you guys ready for this? She has to tell Martina that she adopted a pig behind her back. And, like, at this point, we just have to be honest with the fact that Julia's. Pussy is yanking, okay? She's, like, so nervous, like, oh, what is Martina going to think? And then she gets Martina on FaceTime and starts talking to her about all the money she's saving at the farm. And Martina's like, "Uh uh-huh, it sounds like you're going to tell me that you're about to spend money by starting off with all the money you're saving. So what is it, girl? (laughs) um, Julia's like, well, okay, close your eyes. And she closes her eyes and shows her the pig. And Martina's like, oh, my God, (laughs) I, is is it the Martina is being set up to be this curmudgeon and then when we see it, it's actually, like, no problem whatsoever? Or does Julia just have the yankiness pussy down to the Miami Bay? I think she does. As soon as uh, Julia's like, well, I didn't pay for the pig. I had rescued it. Martina's like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> You did a really good deed, Julia. I am so proud of you. Martina loves that girl down, okay? Down. And that's why I think it's Yankin. And, like, given the track record of her life leading up to this, I, you know, I just think the evidence is leaning in my direction. And it was really nice to see that scene and, like, start off with a couple who really loves each other to go into this fucking, ugh, stab me in the heart Heartbreaking chest, heartbreaking scene of um, Gertie cutting her hair because she's going into chemo and saying nothing about this cancer journey has been in her control. So she knows her hair is going to go with the chemo anyway, so she's just going to cut it off, right? So it starts with her. She's in glam. Her makeup artist, she's got these long braids. Her makeup artist is beating her face, and she's talking about, like, what she's about to do, right? Russell's there and, oh god I can't even do it. Um the makeup artist starts getting emotional and Gertie's like, you gotta go girl. Like, if this is what you're gonna do, like, you can't be here. So then it's just her and Russell. Russell's putting the coat, the little, you know barber jacket over her and he's got his kit out and she's starting to cut the front pieces of her braids off and then he, like, takes it back and she first tells him like you're my best friend. I like think, I don't know what I would have done without you. And they hug and like just the way he looks at her like oh, get you a Russell. We all deserve to have a Russell kind of love in our life. I'm I'm saying Gertie's prayer. I'm I'm evolving from Sierra's prayer to Gertie's. Okay, um, so he's like getting out the clippers. She starts to cry and. It's just like he's telling her he's beautiful and like she is objectively like this is not just oh you're beautiful this is like a sad moment where you feel like clearly like you know women are tied to their hair and like their identity and all femininity all that like it's more than that like the bitch is serving face like that is factually correct your husband is being real like. You are beautiful, Christina Aguilera-style, but, like, you're also beautiful, objectively. Like, the lip was giving. And then she sits down in the uh, interview chair, and we only see her from, like, the neck down, and then the camera pans up, and, like, she's just beautiful. She's got these big cross earrings, and she's like, I'm ready. And honestly, like, it seems like she's embracing the bald, and... (laughs) shout out to her I pray all the time that I don't have cancer for several reasons but I can feel my head and oh baby it would not be a good situation so I'm not the one you might can you just skip over me please because it's not even like aesthetically like I it's not gonna give Gertie I know that I'm honest with myself you guys I'm joking because this this whole scene made me cry so bad. Like, I don't want to cry again. I don't have the time. Okay. So (laughs) I hope I'm not coming off as insensitive. This is me being overly sensitive and trying to protect myself. Okay. So everybody heads to the party. Gertie's riding with Nicole and Russell and she's like, I'm going to have a talk with Larsa about her behavior, not being friend. Like the friend is not jumping out in this case. In the other cards, Julia, Alexia, there's a friend. We don't know who this person is. But Julia's talking to Alexia about how she asked Larsa about the situation with Michael Jordan a couple of weeks ago. And Larsa was acting like everything was fine. But then, obviously, this paparazzi video came out. Very clear that whatever Larsa said was not the truth. Did you guys notice at that party that most of the men had, like, the Cuban-style fedoras? Usually, you know... If I see a room with men with more like two more than two men in a fedora in New York, I'm I'm out because I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't want to know. But in Miami, I'm like, okay, this is actually pretty hot. I'll listen to it. So Julia ends up overhearing this conversation with Larsa, talking about how like everything's great with Marca, Marcus and all this stuff and Michael. And Julia's like, okay, mm, I'm just kind of overhearing what you're saying, Larsa. I actually don't think that's true. <laughs> But Larsa goes into this whole thing about how I've been answering every question that anybody's been asking me. I've been so honest. And, you know, like, I just feel like if you have to lead with, I'm honest, I'm honest, I'm honest. You know what I mean? I just, it's not giving. So then, okay. She starts getting sassy and is like, well, we can call Marcus if you want to talk about it. Like, I'm willing. And Julia's like, but wait, were you aware of how Michael was feeling Like, what's going on? Like, she's like, well, no, he says he supports his his son. I'm an adult. He's an adult. Do you ask for your permission? Do you ask your mom for permission to date somebody? A boy or a girl? Like, why did you have to say boy or girl? (sighs) I can't. I can't with her. So then they're like okay so he's Michael's okay with it. She's like yeah, if he wasn't, if he if he wasn't okay with it, then we wouldn't be together. Like Marcus is very close with his dad, which like you just said we don't need permission, but it sounds like you do. So oops. It's in the realm of permission, I would say? Adriana gets ready, and she's, like, backstage. She's getting her outfit ready. No shade whatsoever. It was, like, the kind of hot pink two-piece outfit that I would have died to wear when I was, like, seven. Like, I would have lived in that outfit. I used to, I had a a short tenure as a baton twirler in my local community in Illinois. And so I think, like, the baton and that outfit together, I would have been killing the hose. okay? Anyway, um, Emilio comes backstage. Well, not backstage. She's, like, in a room. They're at a hotel. So she's in, like, a suite or whatever. And um, he says that he's going to be playing congas at the end of her performance, and she's like, oh, thank you, God. So then we go back to Larsa, and she's talking about how, like, you know, everybody's been putting in the work and their friendship. But Larsa is so transactional. It's always like, oh, haven't I done this? Don't I do this for you? Uh, like, It's always about what she's done for somebody and and the things that she's uh, She's always like very what I've done. What, what about all the things that I've done for you whenever somebody's mad at her? Or, oh, look, it's something I've done. That's good. Like, it's always about me and what she's done and how great of a friend she is to everybody else, right? So, she's like, right, Nicole? Like, haven't we been great friends? And Nicole's like, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> but then Gertie's like, okay, interesting. Because I thought, collectively, we all had a great time the first half of the Mexico trip trip, trip before I got sick. And, you know, Larsa, we had that conversation, on day one of the trip, about how I asked you not to put my name in the press and you agreed. And I thought I was gonna be getting the same courtesy, but Larsa, you said something a couple of weeks ago on your podcast. Uh, well, I didn't, did I see your name? Like, every, everything's got an angle for her to try to slither her way out of. Gertie's like, don't do that, okay? And she's like, what? I just said fake tears. Like, you said I was fake, so I just said you had fake tears. But did I say her name? I didn't say your name. Gertie, stop. So Gertie's telling, Larissa, you're playing dumb. She goes, no, you're dumb. Gertie says, no, I said you're playing dumb. Don't do this, okay? I can't win with you. I just feel like I can't win with you. You put me on the gondola ride. You know, like, it's all my fault. (laughs) You're just looking for a reason to be mad at me, Gertie. (laughs) So Nicole says in a confessional, Larsa really needs to learn her lesson. Like, first, you already screwed Gertie over by telling her secret about having cancer. Now you're trying to fight with somebody who's going through a cancer treatment. Just maybe dial back a little bit. Just a little bit, Larsa. Of course, Larsa does not. We take it to 11. Larsa yells, "Uh, I feel bad for you. Go take uh, care of your health, Gertie. Go take care of your health. How does she even think of dumb shit to say like this? Like, Hmm. I can't believe that you would be mad at me while well, you're like actively fighting cancer in your body. And I can't shut up about you. Like, stop it. Stop. Kiki gets back from the bathroom, and it's very much Ashley getting back from the bathroom after, uh you know, Candace and Mo- Monique got into it. She's like, what is going on? Are we vampires in this group? Who is biting who? What happened? <laughs> Russell's watching this from the sidelines, right? You could tell he's trying his hardest not to tap in, but he's getting really annoyed. Larsa keeps screeching about how her arm was hurting after she got bit. My arm was in pain. And then this dingbat says in a confessional, I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm sick too. I'm sick over this. Like, don't you think it takes a toll on me? Like, every time I see her, she's yelling at me. It's not easy. I'm sick too. And the hamster wheel in her brain, not only is it completely rusted, it's not even squeaky. It's, just, it's like, rusted to the point where it's not even moving, and it's, like, crumbling, like 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 an artifact from the Titanic. Like, you even, like, blow the water in that direction, and it's just going to into wind. That's what her brain is going in. Two-bit Pippin. It is incredible. Her mind is like an escape room and I don't think I have enough time to get out. I hope and pray that they had another chair next to Gertie and an IV for Larsa right next to her at the chemo center and just strap her in, just tap her right into her vein and you can get a treatment for fucking stupidity. Okay. She'll get hers for the breast cancer that's coursing through her body. And you can get yours for being a fucking idiot. Okay? Anyway, Larsa tries to go, because nobody's signing with her or even saying anything. Just letting her be loud and dumb and stupid. So she goes to run over to Lisa to pull Lisa that she does. Oh, everybody's, everybody's going crazy on me. She's, she's screaming at me. She's going crazy. Like, no context as to why that might be. So, of course, Lisa does not have all the information. I'm not sure it would have changed anything or what she said if she did. But we'll be fair to Lisa, our Jamaican queen. Lisa Ann. Um, she goes up to Gertie and was like, "Oh, you know, like, Larsa was just joking. Which, of course... Only pisses Gertie off more. Like, don't come and tell me that this bitch who was actively harmful is loling, J.K. Okay. Eventually, gets to the point where Gertie takes off her hat to reveal her bald head. This is what I did today, and Nurse is like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, ugh, I'm just gonna leave then, and I'll just never talk to you again, then, Gertie. Like, you bit me, you bit me." At this point, Russell's had it. Okay. He goes over to get Gertie and is like, get up, we're not dealing with this, okay? Like, I typically don't like men telling women what to do, like, in any context whatsoever, (laughs) however. I was rocking with you on Russell. Like we had this conversation and I think at one point he tells her, you know, I don't like to be around this stuff. Like, you know, I can't be around this and I don't have any tolerance. And I only do this stuff when I'm not here, (laughs) like the screaming and getting into it over dumb shit. Like you have to leave it to, for when I'm for the times where I'm not here. Okay. So he takes her aside and is like, we're not doing this right. Like he's pissed. Like his volumes at a good four and a half. Okay. Like it's, the, the base is starting. Okay, Lars is still screaming, and Russell's like, "Larsa, you need to be respectful. You really need to be respectful." And honestly, it was so hot. It was so hot. Oh, so they take off. Russell, Gertie, Kiki's following it behind. And Nicole's trying to play defense because Lisa's like, oh, Gertie, I want to talk to you. And Nicole's like, no, give her space. I'm her best friend. Like, she just needs space to cool down right now. So they're all those three are talking. Russell, Gertie and Kiki. Right. And eventually Russell's like talking to is like trying to bang your head against the wall. Like, there's no point. Right. So they get back. Well, they don't get back. They actually happen to have gone to the exact place where Adriana is performing. So they just stand there. Adriana does her big performance. with uh, There are a lot of live band players playing instruments, and those mics were on. Whether or not Adriana's was... I can't confirm or deny she performed her song. She definitely was on stage and performing and the song was on a song was playing from the speakers and people were dancing and enjoying themselves. And that's really all that matters is that we were having fun. You know, after this, we wrap up the season and every all the girls friends of main Mojito holders are all getting, um, closing, cards and they deserve y'all know I typically don't give a fuck about them but I think in the essence of the fact that all of these women were firing on all cylinders this season MVPs for the housewives of the 23-24 season I'll just say y'all got the MVP out of all of them we're just gonna talk about it right Kiki's got her new man in Los Angeles but has not introduced her him to the rest of the ladies Adriana's hoping to drop a song Q1 of 2024, we see clips of Steve and Marisol having their vow renewal in Scotland, even though I have to remind you guys that they're not legally married, not in Scotland, not in America, nowhere. Somehow they're also planning another vow renewal with Alexia and Todd. And I'm screaming at you, Alexia. If you want to continue to be married to Todd for another 18 months, I mean, I think, like, this marriage even in its best situation has a shelf life of about five years tops, but I think it might reduce very quickly to 12 to 18 if you guys do this vow renewal. So I would just suggest that you don't, you know, just maybe not. Obviously we know Dr. Nicole lost her father in November and is expecting a boy. She got to tell him before he passed. Larsa still has not met Michael. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) And uh, the most surprising thing is that Julia and Martina, to me, that was the most surprising that they've decided to put adoption on the shelves. They're talking about it again. There was a painting that they revealed where uh, it's, what's it? He's Romero or Romeo? Romero Brito, the artist. um, (laughs) She did a painting with him and it's her naked on the couch and she's got tennis balls over her titties. So God bless. You know, and she probably spent Martina's money on this, like probably five-figure painting of herself with tennis balls over her titties. That's what I'm saying. Good pussy, good pussy. Then we see Frankie taking an Uber to the salon, and they say contrary to rumors about their finances, Alexia just bought a Ferrari, and she and Todd went on a trip to Italy. Which you listen, <laughs> Anna Delvey that's all I'm going to say about that. Lisa moved into a condo because surprise, surprise. Lenny's trying to get to back out on the settlement, contesting it, doesn't want to build that house for her. So we see Gertie going on her first day of chemo and 127 days later, there she is ringing that bell saying she's cancer free. God bless. God bless our girls, Real Housewives of Miami. We're going to talk about the reunions as they come up. But, uh, yeah, let's get into Joe, Southern hospitality.
1: Date? And it's like me, me and Maddie have never dated. I think that, you know, I, I, I feel like you guys thought about have it. have a date. I You had a moment. I don't think. They had yeah, a date. I would like to hear from TJ
0: as we see. I didn't know this, but you and Trevor broke up three weeks after mm-hmm. the Fourth of July party.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Was it? Because you made out with Joe and he found out or is that like still a secret?
1: Oh, no, no. I he knows. When did you make out with Joe? I, like, like, I think, she was, I think it, a think... month after filming. Like that. <laughs> so it was, three three. It was July 16th. Yeah. A week so, after you and Trevor. Oh, July 16th. Why do you know that? Don't ask me why. So the 16th would be 12 days after the July 4th party, which would be 12 days after filming, which is less than three weeks. I'm not going to lie, y'all. After
0: after watching the Southern Hospitality reunion, I was like, damn, if people don't watch the show, I kind of feel bad for them. The reunion had this old school Bravo vibe that I really fuck with. Like, we're in the clubhouse, the... You know, collectively the wardrobe budget was maybe seven hundred and fifty dollars. The Andy seemed equal parts invested because you know he doesn't watch every show and um, like willing to go there with the cast members. Like he wasn't diplomatic. I thought he was completely like this is the sort of hosting that I would like to see. More of from Andy because he was like, didn't not giving a fuck and calling these people out rightfully so. And I, I was, I don't know, maybe I don't know. I really liked it. You guys need to watch Southern Hospitality, they're gonna get a season three, there's no doubt about it. So hop on board, hop on board before it's too late, okay? <laughs> so we start off with Joe trying so hard. To be charismatic in the beginning, by you know, Andy does his typical like, "Hey T.J., how you doing? Hey Leva, blah blah blah. Hey Joe, uh, Andy, uh, I just I just want to start off by asking like one question. Um, why do you call me Joke and Joe? And Andy's like, I don't know, just because it sounds good. He's like, okay, well, um, I don't think I'm going to be doing much joking today. <laughs> and I think he meant that as a joke. And it, you know, like maybe maybe we don't call him Joke and Joe because it's not doesn't seem to be a strong suit anyway obviously the first segment is dedicated to Maddie and not only her flop relationship but her flop attempt at doing a gotcha on everybody by revealing that she was on the phone call with Trevor and Sammy I still can't make heads or tails of what eating she thinks she did Or even what she was doing. I don't know. Andy asks, why did you and Trevor break up three weeks after filming? And she says, oh, well, there were lifestyle differences. And Andy goes, what, was it, like, pedicab versus... And you could tell that he didn't, he couldn't think of, like, what transportation Maddie might be. And thank God Maddie interrupts him. She says that he actually doesn't do the pedicab anymore. And Joe goes, yeah, he got fired. (laughs) Of course he did <laughs> of course he did grace is the only one who cares about maddie and trevor's relationship and i would like to just repeat this so maddie knows grace is the only one who cares about your relationship with trevor okay and she cares in a positive way nobody else cares girl but she says that it's people on the cast that have made it difficult for maddie to have this relationship with trevor so she feels bad for her and okay Okay, girl, then we find out that like they're broken up, but I'm not really sure about this level of breakup. It literally sounds like Trevor hit the jackpot and he's getting the exact sort of relationship that he wants with Maddie, because not only are they still on a lease together, they share that apartment. She spends most of the time at that other apartment we saw her at by the sea when she was like on her break with Trevor. She spends most of her time there seems like she still pays rent on the place she shares with trevor they're still hooking up like andy's like do you guys ever have you have you hooked up she's like oh yeah like it sounds like she's there when she wants to fuck and she's not when she wants to be with the girlies what a great situation trevor has somebody who isn't there most of the time and when they are they fuck them and he gets them to kick on half of the rent so cool Maddie you really did that you really did that and like let's be honest you guys Trevor doesn't fuck Trevor can't fuck Trevor can't fuck so it's not even really adding up as to why we're doing all this for that you know like maybe it's thick maybe it's thick but he doesn't know what to do with it so like give it up girl give it up Listen to Aunt Kara, okay? Your big sister. She knows what she's looking at. Let it go. So then Andy asks why it was that Joe was the only one who didn't believe this rumor about Trevor hooking up with uh, Sammy. And Will's like, he did. He fully believed it. And Trevor tries to, or excuse me, not Trevor, uh, Joe tries to make a point, I think, by being like, well, that's because Trevor is a cheater. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah. That's the point, babe. So the Leva asks Maddie, did it not bother you seeing that video where she's, like, kind of grabbing around his genital area and he's twerking and she's grabbing his ass? And Maddie's like, no. Like, clearly, it was Trevor being like, why was somebody taking a video of me? Like, Trevor, to me, was, like, confused. Like, what? You're touching my dick? Are you touching my dick? Like, girl. Everybody just stares at her because... That is not what happened, girl. Like, And then Andy and Lever are like, yeah, it really looked like he was having fun. And so Maddie just has to stare wide-eyed and be like, oh, she has no answer for anything. Nothing. Obviously, the next line of question is for Brad and whether or not he intentionally went after Maddie after dumpster dick suck gate or whatever and... Brad says, no, I don't spend my time thinking about ways to get back at Maddie. She keeps trying to spin it like I have this vendetta against her when she's the one who started all of this. Maddie seems to be coming from the perspective that Brad just kept pushing this narrative of Sammy and Trevor hooking up, even though she didn't want to talk about it and she heard the phone call or whatever she did. And then we get back to the phone call and Maddie says she does not feel like she lied because it wasn't her business? Huh? But then Andy is like, okay, but why did you present that phone call to Joe as though you had just heard this? Like you had heard of it and you had to clock in for your shift and like your emotions were so high. Right. And Joe's like, yeah, you know, Maddie, people do say like a lot that people that you manipulate me a lot. Um, But it was kind of the first time where I felt like maybe that might be partly true because you were crying, you know, and everybody just laughs. And they're like, no, she was completely manipulating you. This wasn't like a partial thing, full, total manipulation. Andy straight up looks at Maddie and says, you were lying. Like you were lying, Maddie. (laughs) And Maddie's like, what, what do you mean? Well, no clue, like, why anybody would feel that way. So Andy walks her through it, like, hold your hand while I cro- let you cross the street, babe. It's manipulative because you went to Joe and presented this information as though you had just found out about this phone call. And she says, well, I did in Miami. But baby, th- Miami was 10 days after you told Joe about this phone call. The whole situation was conniving and, like, it's so, it's so weird to me. Everybody's like, it's, Maddie, we've seen you manipulate Joe constantly. You're manipulating other people. You really try to have your cake and eat it, too. And it was really nice to see you finally get caught. So then, basically, like, all the cast members say that Maddie has a tendency to use her sobriety against them and tell them, she knows what the true events of whatever evening or whatever scenario happened because she was sober and they were all fucked up and grace shuts this down and it was like no we're not going to be weaponizing sobriety against anybody but it kind of seems like that's what they're accusing her of doing to them but she is grace is very much like a I don't like this gang up mentality. Like it doesn't matter if everybody's correct for being pissed off. Just the fact that it's multiple of you on one that she's like, this is not nice. It's not fair. We're ganging up on her. I don't really love that um, line of thinking. Cause like, then when am I supposed to hold you accountable then? Am I just supposed, okay um, guys, how about even though we all agree and we all have our personal stories individually as to what Maddie's done that have been lies and manipulations and fairy tales and fallacies, we're just going to have only two of us tap in so she doesn't feel bullied and picked on. Like, if she's fucked with everybody, everybody's allowed to have their say to that, right? Like, and if you feel ganged up on, then, I don't know, stop picking on every person in your orbit, maybe. And then maybe you wouldn't have these problems. I don't know. But also, like, never stop doing this. Like, never, never stop. Please, please. I love this show. <laughs> so then we get to Leva firing Lucia and Mia. And, again, I have to ask the question of how much do does Leva actually own Republic? Because not only does it sound like she did not make this decision or, like, even have a hand in it. It sounds like she was on vacation and they waited to tell her when she got back because they knew that she would be upset about it. Lucia says she's doing fine and, like, everything's cool, but, like, I just don't really understand, like, why she had so little. Because she also told Lucia when they went to lunch that Lamar, her husband, was all upset, and he was like, oh, my God, I can't believe we lost her. But she kept saying, like, our hands are tied. Like, I can't do anything about this. So She said it was Leah who, like, handles the firing, but how much – I thought Leah was the general manager. But if you own the place, does, how much stake does Leah have in Republic Garden Lounge? She must own it, too, because you're not telling me who's getting hired fired. Like, seems like if you own the place, ultimately, you can make the final decision. But it doesn't sound like she does. It sounds like she, it was very much out of her hands. So I don't know. I'm confused. And then they ask the million-dollar question to Leva of why is O'Sheen able to do OnlyFans? And we had a whole scene watching her reprimand Mia for twerking on a boat on an off day on Instagram stories that only lasts 24 hours. And Leva's like, listen, I don't like it. I don't like that he's on OnlyFans. But, you know, if O'Sheen wanted to move up in the company, he wouldn't because of this. Okay, But that doesn't mean anything. I don't recall Mia ever wanting to move up in this company. You took it out of, you took time out of your day to slut shame her for dancing in a bikini on a boat off work. But O'Sheen can dump his milk, both 2% and the 100% out of his, you know what, for, you know, Probably the same price that Denise Richard sells naked picture bundles on OnlyFans. Why is that like she doesn't ever have a really she does this stuff that I'm like, this is flagrantly wild. And then I don't ever hear her reasoning that makes sense to me as to why that is like, okay, well, if he wanted to. okay, well, he doesn't. So. (laughs) So what? (laughs) So what? Andy does ask O'Sheen if he does, like, full frontal getting off stuff on OnlyFans. And he's like, yeah, it's my body, my choice. And Mia's like, uh, that's that's for abortion. That's an abortion term, O'Sheen. <laughs> Not for you getting your nuts off on OnlyFans. Then they ask Emmy about her getting promoted over Joe and Maddie. And Leva says she didn't want Joe and Maddie to have that job because it wouldn't be a good fit for them. Joe lies and says that he was always in Emmy's corner about her being promoted. And Willie goes, "Yeah, until it happened." <laughs> and then Joe's like, "Well, Emmy, how long did you even last in that position? Like two weeks?" And Leva goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I don't like that." And again, some very roundabout. I don't know what happened. It sounds like they're opening a new location. They were sending people to that new location for training. Emmy was supposed to go there to be trained for assistant general manager. Leva says that Emmy felt uncomfortable about going to that location or overwhelmed or something. And then Leva told her, okay, well, you can't do that. You got to like push through that feeling and just do it. Go to the location. And then Emmy didn't want to do it. And Maddie says, well, the real reason is because she wanted my job, not the AGM position. Emmy's excuse for why she. Turned down the position is because she was confused. Again, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on here. But Maddie basically exposes Emmy by saying that Emmy likes to go on vacation a lot. And she just didn't want the responsibility of, like, having to physically be at Republic, I guess. <laughs> didn't want to mess up her trip schedule. Maddie, they uh, Andy asks, like, how they feel about their relationship, Maddie and Emmy. And you know, Maddie says, I really miss a friendship. And Emmy says, we really would have a lot to discuss, but I am willing to have a conversation with you. Grace and Lily, Grace and Lily, Grace, Lily and Liam are still broken up. And I don't mean to laugh because I do think it's very sad um, that for whatever reason, Liam still has her cat. But her only explanation for why the cat is gone It's just hashtag free Fergie. <laughs> she didn't want to talk about it. She's like, I don't know. Just like hashtag free Fergie. <laughs> I'm going to be using that. <laughs> I'm actually going to use it. Grace. I am obviously Lucia and Brad are not dating. He says that after a few months, I mean, let's, let's be real. This was just for the cameras. He basically says that after filming, he got a wandering eye and started circling the block on some chick he dated before Andy asked Lucia, how did Brad handle that? She goes, not well, (laughs) not well, bitch. It was kind of more me having to get the information out of him than him being honest. But allegedly they just went back to being friends. Everything's cool. And then we get to Joe and his status with Danielle from Summer House, right? Okay, so I think I got to walk you guys through the actual timeline of what happened because I didn't talk about it on the podcast. So, um... Joe was on Watch What Happens Live with Luann a few weeks ago. Daniel's in the audience. They had been dating, whatever, kicking it since BravoCon, right? We can go back to BravoCon. They meet at BravoCon. They fuck at BravoCon that night. <laughs> um, they have this, like, whirlwind thing. He comes up to New York. She films Watch What Happens Live. He's there. They're fucking... Um, She comes down to uh, Charleston at one point and they're doing kind of like a cute like back and forth, you know, (laughs) Paige and Paige and Craig diet, Paige and Craig. Right. Very diet. Like real diet. Um, So they're doing that. And this whole time, Joe has been talking to anybody who listen and mostly that is Us Weekly about the status of their relationship like every 15 minutes he's doing an interview about oh we went on one date it was great she's so this she's that we have all this chemistry it's so awesome we're gonna hang out again she's planning she's bought the ticket we're doing this hey guys she came down to charleston that was also great i'm gonna be up to new york blah 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 this has been going on for like the past three months and i'm thinking this whole time why is Danielle accepting this? I mean, and then you know, I had to come to the realization myself, and unfortunately, the answer is that it's Danielle. Um, but he's been like doing this embarrassing status updates about their relationship. I'm mean, gonna use that term very loosely um, for the past few months. So, one weekend, he's up. Filming, watch what happens live. She's there in the audience. Luann is a guest. And what happens in that weekend is like a series of unfortunate events, uh, mostly for Danielle. So he did another status update with Us Weekly. It dropped. Nobody saw it until, and in that, he says, oh, um, Danielle and I have started to take a, you know, pump the brakes on a relationship and just kind of, like, take things slow. You know, she's really doing her thing in New York. I'm young. I'm wanting to get to where she is, but I'm not quite there. Like, the stuff that he's saying, he's been saying now, right? But the thing is, so he did that interview on on a Friday, right? Saturday, she posts on her Instagram stories Pictures of them, like, oh, cutesy, oh, me and my man in a hotel, we're wearing matching robes, like, we're you know, we're just in the middle of having fun, and I just decided to take a selfie when I was looking sexy and, like, obviously freshly fucked, you know, like, that kind of vibe. You know, we've all seen those pictures. And it's very, like, mm. But then, like, hours later, people start realizing, Oh, yesterday this article came out where Joe said that they were on a break and that basically he had dumped her. So, baby, Danielle, why are you in a hotel posted up taking pictures with this man? So she finds out, obviously, the story starts picking up. She finds out, and it's, like, kind of weird, but she still ends up going to watch what happens live with him that night, and, like, they're acting like everything's cool. But then it comes out that that night... The same night that she found out about this interview, the same night that she goes to watch What Happens Live, they go out afterwards with Luann, with O'Sheen, with a couple of other people, and it comes out on page six the next day that Luann and uh, Joe hooked up. So this leads us to Andy asking what his status is with Danielle. And again, he's been saying the whole, the same script She's great. I'm just not where I need to be for her. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right girl, wrong time. So Andy says, well, the last time you were in the clubhouse, Joe, it was like, you and Lou man really seem to have some chemistry there. And how on, paper, on page six, like, you know, it said that you guys were canoodling in a bar the next day. So Joe's like, well, I love the MILFs. So I am the mayor of MILF City at Republic. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Joe. So Andy's like, okay, did you sleep with her? And Joe goes, this is the truth. We had a drink. We hit it off. She's incredible. You know, I was probably maybe like a little too flirtatious for how soon I had told Danielle that we should take a break. d j TJ mumbles, Joe, just be honest, okay? <laughs> and Joe goes, well, listen, I probably took things too far, but, like, I did not kiss her. We did not hook up. TJ's face is all red. He's tapping his leg like Shep does when he's caught in a lie, which is most of Southern Charm. And Andy's like, TJ, what did you say? What did you just say? And he says, I told him to tell the truth, right? I think you should be honest. And Joe's like, no, I just told you guys. Like, I was just playfully hanging out with her at the bar. That was it. Like, why would you even insinuate that, TJ? (laughs) So Will says... Will's just laughing. because Everybody knows that this is a lie. Clearly, they fucked. Will says, "I saw pictures of her bed. I haven't even met this woman." So not only was this man hoeing, he was showing hoeing and showing, showing the boys pictures of Luann's bedroom. You fucking weirdo! And now you want to act like, oh, I maybe we went a little too far, but I did not kiss her. Okay, like what did you do then? You touched her ankle. Okay, okay, Joe. So Andy asks TJ, what percentage of, are you sure that uh, those two hooked up? And he's like, "Um, 99, 99%. I feel like I've never seen Andy so openly and quickly as, like, somebody as he does with O'Sheen. And, like, I'm down for it. Like, make no mistake. So they ask him... Like, the only thing we can ask you, O'Sheen, is why did you fucking lose your mind on Lucia and Mia at the beach in Miami when you guys were playing a quick game of team building volleyball? Did you decide to, like, go into verbally assault these women? And Andy's like, well, O'Sheen says, well, I just thought of, like, I wanted to put them in their place. Like, they're always talking about people and, like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, they're just, like, mean. And he's like, well, where is their place? Where's their place, O'Sheen? And he's like, no, I just meant, like, check them, you know, about their attitude. And he goes, well, what about your attitude? <laughs> exactly, Andy. So O'Sheen's like, well, I just don't like these, these women who are, like, always attacking people all the time. And, like, no, he does not know what he's talking about. He just wanted to, like, he, he's drunk, okay? He's drunk and he's mean. And that's how he treats women. And, you know, we all see which women he treated like that, so... Let's move on, dummy. I don't think he's coming back. I think it's very clear he's not coming back, so let's not even waste our breath with him. Then we get to Joe showing Maddie the group text where they were all talking about her body, eating, whatever. Joe says, I went about that in the wrong way, And I wasn't approaching her like, oh, people were talking shit. And then he tries to say to everybody, well, when you see your name in a group text, like, it's very hurtful, which is the point, Joe. Like, you presented like this, like, oh, Maddie, look at everybody's talking to you in a group text. Even if it's in good faith, you're always going to feel insecure about that. Like, nobody's going to be like, oh, people were talking about me months ago, and you're just telling me now, great, I'm sure that was good. Like, you're always going to feel bad (laughs) about that, right? And so that's kind of the point, Joe, like, that's what you did. You made her feel bad. On the other hand, a group text talking about somebody's body, even if that's in good faith, probably not appropriate or a good idea either. But ultimately, he intentionally like months after the fact decided to tell Maddie something that would upset her and it wasn't necessary so everybody's wrong but like for very different reasons you know what I mean but then what really gagged me is that Emmy drops the bomb that Joe tried to put it on her and was like trying to convince Emmy that she had gotten so wasted one night that she had showed Maddie the group chat, not him. Like, was trying to convince her. And this dude, ooh, ooh, I cannot imagine. Part of the beauty of the show I just realized today is that the men are mean. They're bad people, but... Too mean to be like very bad at them, which I think is how like Schwartz got away with things for so long. Like we all knew that he was an objectively bad person, but also, I don't think Schwartz is that dumb, to be honest with you. I actually think Schwartz is like a pretty smart person. I don't think he utilizes it, but I think it's there. I think it's in there. Um Joe Bradley, I don't unfortunately, honey, I don't think it's within you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I find Joe to be mostly harmless. Like, make no mistake, if I was his friend, I wouldn't be his friend. All of his behavior is incredibly annoying. But as a viewer, he is television gold. Maybe like early season jacks where it's like, you're a bad person, but you're also dumb. And so, like, I know that even if you're you're fire, firing on all cylinders, like, nothing you can do is going to hurt me. It's like, uh, you know, like um, like a kid trying to fight you and you just put your palm on their forehead and they, they're just trying to keep swinging, but they never can get you. Like, they're, the actions are bad, but it's not really hurting you because they're trying so hard and they're still failing. You know what I mean? So that's why I find Joe so funny. <laughs> So I cannot imagine him trying to, like, what was the thought process? Because I knew it was about 30 seconds. Like, I'm going to try to convince Emmy that she did something. Like, do you know how hard that would be to the average person? I could not do that. And I'm, like, diabolical. (laughs) I don't think that I can successfully convince somebody that they got so drunk that they did something. Bad that I actually did, and I'm now pawning it off on them so that they feel guilty. I don't think I can successfully do that. So I'm trying to imagine Joe Bradley attempting to do this because I'm sure Maddie probably saw or Emmy probably saw this coming from seven miles away and was just like, Joe, don't even, what are you even doing? <laughs> like, come on, dude. So then, um, Emmy's like, yeah. There's no way that I would have randomly sent Maddie that conversation because that was like two months after we had actually had that group chat. And Joe says, what, what, do you think I would make that up? And everybody in the cast goes, yeah. (laughs) So then Andy switches it up by asking Maddie and Joe if they've ever dated. And they're like, no, but it kind of sounds like they had hooked up recently. So Andy asks TJ, because, you know, this is how we're going to get the real truth what is your opinion on Maddie and Joe? And TJ's like, well, I asked Maddie if like the fact that she made out with Joe three weeks after the fireworks situation was the reason why she broke up with Trevor. And she said no. And then it comes out that Joe and Maddie had made out on July 16th. And Will's like, Emmy, why do you know that? She's like, I don't know what to tell you. But then will they're like a great tag team. Will's like, well, okay, so that July 16th was 12 days after the 4th, which would have been before the three-week period of you breaking up with uh, Trevor. And Joe just snaps. And he goes, "Uh, all right, mathematician, you're going to be a great lawyer. (laughs) Oh, okay, mathematician. (laughs) So the big drama with Will... (laughs) as we know, is the bathroom stuff, right? And to be honest with you, I was kind of on Joe's side. It was very sketchy. I was with Mia. Like, the evidence that I was presented with was not great in Will's favor. But then we find out, like, we knew that Will had lost a friend. We knew that Will had gone into a bathroom at Joe's apartment while they were parting, right, with a girl.
1: Vague
0: as to what happened in there. There was tales of a makeout. Fucking, I don't know. I didn't see anything. I definitely saw something. Whatever, right? So, Will's explanation was that he was going through more than that, right? It was his friend passed. His grandmother passed. He was, you know, moving and stressed out about that and was drinking to cope with all of that. Doing a lot of drinking and a lot of crying. And he says... That night with O'Sheen and Joe, like, I know how they are. They're douchebags when they get together. I was in an emotional state. So I went into that bathroom to cry because I thought they would just make fun of me if they saw me. So TJ mentions, Andy, it's also important that we state that the girl that Will went into the bathroom with was the girlfriend of the guy that passed away, of Will's friend that passed away, which I do think does change it a little bit. Like... But Maddie was like, well, why weren't you crying to your girlfriend? Why weren't you crying to Emmy? You should be at home crying to her. And everybody was like, he was crying to everybody. Like, he was, like, on his side. Like, he was emotional. He was coming to everybody for emotional support. It wasn't just like, oh, you should be with your girlfriend. Like, no. Speaking of crying, Emmy starts crying pretty hard about... The way Joe had been treating her for the past year and their relationship. And I don't know, like Joe makes this face as she's talking and like spilling her heart out. It almost seems like he's annoyed with her. Like, and I think he honestly is because Joe clearly has a very specific persona that he wants to maintain of like nice guy, Joey bottles, whatever, smooth Italian stallion with the heart of gold. And now he's crying. And I know that he he's annoyed because he doesn't really like her. <laughs> and also she's fucking up his reputation and you know the persona that he wants to give out to the world by like not being the nice guy because here i am making this blonde woman cry so he lies again and tells emmy i'm actually your biggest fan like and i cry i cry all the time i cry behind closed doors about it you know like i try to be a tough guy but i do cry you know like i cry will cries you know and then he's like will can you look at me i'm trying to apologize to you right now Okay, nobody got that from what you just said, okay? So, okay. So then he's like, I tried to apologize to you at the finale, Will. And Will's like, but I was so sick of your words. And Joe's like, well, what I wanted to say is, like, even though you're in law school, like, I don't want our friendship to be over. Like, I could easily walk away from this. And, like, I could talk to you, and I would love to amend our friendship. <laughs> that's not great like don't start with I could easily not be your friend but if you want to do this I'm willing and able to mend our friendship then no I'm good so Will says why should I be your friend after everything that's happened this summer everything you've done to my girlfriend my friends and all of your friendships here you show me absolutely no reason why I should be your friend other than you just saying we should be friends and I care about you. But, like, it's nice to hear it doesn't do anything for me. Like, it's like a toxic ex where you guys just say you love each other, but it's not working and you guys just keep going back to each other. And Andy's like, wow, okay, this was not where I thought this was going to go. <laughs> and then Joe says, well, I'm here if you want to be friends, but I have enough friends. I don't want to beg for your friendship anymore, okay? Again, not very encouraging, not very enticing, babe. Joe, again, tries to say, I'm rooting for your relationship. I am. Like, I just didn't think the promotion was right for her. And Will says, Joe, you're the most self-unaware person I've ever met. And TJ says, here's my thing. Because they keep being like, TJ, what do you think about this? You're the only adult in the room. (laughs) Tina says, I think Joe unfortunately puts himself in positions where he tries to keep an even keel, but he put himself into a corner, you know, like that's it. Joe does his people pleasing thing. He thinks it's working out for him. It doesn't. You really need to turn this off. And he's like, Yeah, I need to turn it off when I leave Republic. And Will says, No, you need to turn it off all the time. But then Leva, always with her CEO hat, says, No. Him being people-pleasing actually works exceptionally well at Republic. (laughs) But he doesn't know how to turn it off, right? And then DJ's like, I just think you need to be honest and, like, worry about people-pleasing and just worry about pleasing yourself. Because right now, you're trying to make everyone happy and it's not working at all. Maybe spend some time alone and sober. And then in the last two minutes, it turns pretty dark and it talks about like TJ is talking about how upset he is with Joe and his behavior. And like, it, it sounds like he wants to drop hints about something, but he's just not. And then we'd find out that TJ is the one who kind of brought the whole cast together in the first place. And he, Andy asks Leva, like, let's just end this Leva give the cast some advice, like Lisa Vanderpump style. I don't give a fuck. Okay. Let's, let's not worry about that, but let's get into what TJ posted after the um, reunion. He posted on his Instagram story, a message that Joe sent him and it says, um, oh my God, I just deleted it. (laughs) Oh my God. Let me find it real quick. Okay. What does it say? It says, um, Oh, my God, where is it? I'm so sorry, you guys. This is terrible. I And I could pause, and I'm not going to, and I'm not going to. <laughs> but basically, um, he said, like, oh, um, you're, like, nobody's going to give a fuck that you're the one who dropped that news about me and Luann. Ha, ha, ha. Like, you're just a friend of, you're irrelevant. Like, nice try. And then he posted the rat emoji. Like, Ew. There is clearly some ego thing going on with Joe, but again, like, I don't feel like he's smart enough to maintain this, like, cool guy, villain, I'm great persona. So, like, you know, watch what happens. I'm ready for saddled up and ready for season three, you guys. All right. Let's end this with uh, the traitors.
1: Just two people banished as traitors, both named you as a traitor. I believe that that's an important point. The second point I'd like to make is this. I think it matters in this game to find and banish the traitors. Now, of course, it's a game of skill and intuition and calculation and maneuvering, but your approach, Phaedra, is to avoid error. You are fly low, Phaedra, you are non-committal by day, and fatal under cover of dark. All
0: right, let's get into the traitors. I feel like we're rounding out the season, and I've been coming on here every week screaming about how every episode has been a banger, and that's still true. This episode was less banging than the other ones, but still, we're firing on all cylinders here, so I'm like very happy. We start off with Kate. She's in the jail um, that Fergus put her in last episode, right? Phaedra comes down in her cloak to get her, and Kate, like, she pulls up that hood, and Kate just goes, You sly fox. So Phaedra tells Kate, You're smart. You're clever. You're either going to be a traitor or you're going to be murdered. So uh, what's your answer, girl? Kate says, I accept. Phaedra lets her out and says, I think you made a great choice. Kate says in a confessional, I don't really have a choice, but I listen, I love a VIP. I love to be in on a secret, so I'm kind of happy to be a traitor, but I'm also disappointed that it's only going to be me and Phaedra. So they go back into the turret. Kate gets all the tea that Phaedra and Dan were the first original traitors. They recruited Parvati, and Phaedra says that when she was just alone with Dan, it was like eating dried milk with toast, no butter, no jam. So then she, Phaedra, asks Kate, So what's the plan? And Kate's like, uh, pff, It's only my third day out here, I don't know. But then she says, um, I don't know, uh, Kevin's pretty annoying. But <laughs> Phaedra says, Kevin's really a follower, Peter's a dictator. And Kate's like, Oh yeah, he puts the dick in dictator. For some reason, this really made me scream because we've been getting these like b B-roll footage pretending that the cast members are living in the castle, just doing things that you would think they do, like reading for Larsa or, you know, Bergie, just sleeping with a teddy bear. (laughs) Sweet dreams for Bergie. Peter is standing in front of one of those old school mirrors doing bicep curls with a shirt off. Why? Why? Phaedra brings up the point that, like, Peter might have the shield. Remember, Peter made everybody do that little secret for Peter's pals. Don't tell anybody who got the shield, right? So Phaedra says Peter's always gunning for the shield, so it is quite possible that he might have it so if we try to murder him we're gonna have another Burger situation on our hands so they decide it's got to be between kevin and trishel so we get to the next morning people are filing in for breakfast and it kind of is giving like peter might be gone from peter and the pals to peter's public enemy number one i just have a quick question What's with Kate Chastain's hair? It's like, is she required to walk through a 30-mile-per-hour wind tunnel? Did they take her brushes away from her? Sometimes it looks like she just, like, slept inside a sweatshirt and then came out of it right before filming. And then other times it looks like it was done, but then she was like, no, I can't have my hair too perfect. Get back in the sweatshirt, girl. (laughs) I don't understand what's going on. It's it's very confusing to me. But anyway, MJ walks into the breakfast room, and she's clocking Kate immediately. Kate, is everything okay? You look kind of weird. Like, feels like the light in your face is not totally there. What's going on, Kate? In a confessional, Kate's like, I'm just trying to focus on living my truth, which is that I'm still a faithful and that Peter's a traitor. And the reason why I don't smoke weed is because I'm already paranoid. See, I'm thinking... Am I talking like a traitor? Am I talking like a faithful? Would a traitor eat the salmon? Would a faithful? I don't know. Then we find out after everybody, Kevin from Bling Empire, may he rest, was the one who got murdered. Trishelle decides to tell everybody that she was the one who got the shield, but only a few people knew about that, which she finds interesting. And I'm sure she put in her notebook for safekeeping for later. So after that, CT kicks it over to John and is like, Do you have any words to commemorate Kevin leaving? And John just goes, no, bless him. (laughs) So after that, we break out into groups, right? CT, Phaedra, and Trishel all start talking about how Peter's kind of sus, and Trishel's kind of hesitant to hop on this wagon, right? Because she says in a confessional, I'm really trying to stick to my guns about my feelings of Phaedra being a traitor. So she goes over to John. They're kind of talking strategy and decide, With our powers combined, if we stay together with Peter, then the roundtable will probably be good to banish Phaedra. But the issue is that Trishel feels like there's a clique with the Bravo people who all like to vote kind of the same along the same party lines, if you will. Sandra, by the way, who's from Survivor, is also part of the Bravo girl (laughs) clique. I don't think she wants to be, but that's what's happened here. So they find Peter and they're like, okay, we got to get Phaedra out. Nobody of the Bravo people plus Sandra is going to vote for her at the round table. So they're now they're playing a numbers game. Like in order to do that, we got to recruit two other people. So who's going to be most likely to do that? They pick Sandra and CT. Phaedra's doing her best work with the Bravo girls. Like I said, they've roped Sandra into this whole situation. They're all talking Peter sus, okay? Jare is like, I don't know. I like, I like Peter, but he's, like, being this person who's very influential and he's creating alliances and making up fake fights and stories with people. And it's almost like the boy who cried woof. Not wolf. Woof. <laughs> no, granted, she did understand the story, so I'm not going to, um, you know, let her. I'm going to let her cook. Okay, but she did say "woof," and that I, I it would I would be remiss if I didn't let you guys know that that's what happened. Anyway, back to Peter. He goes over to CT to ask him, like, who are you thinking is a traitor? CT's like, you. I'm I straight up thinking to you. You got all these parlor tricks. You're not consistent at all. And when Peter's like, CT, that's part of my plan. CT's like, okay, well, if it is, you need to let people know what's going on because it's kind of confusing. Peter's now. Sweating. He's frantic. He's like, No, CT, like, I swear, I swear I'm a faithful. This is just a game I'm playing. And CT's like, All right, well, I don't know. You shouldn't have been making all those deals with the traders. So, our challenge for this episode is they're going into this like creepy castle to, they've got these stained glass windows with the cast member's name on it and a crossbow. So, everybody's got to shoot. These people's names out, and whoever's the last name standing, they get the shield. And for as many times as you miss uh, your target, you lose $250. It's taken them forever, forever to make a target. But finally, they figure it out. MJ is the one who takes uh, Charades out, and then it gets a ball rolling. Um, so eventually once they start getting the hang of things, see people start gunning for CTs, uh, glass and it's like over and over and over again, they end up losing $2,000 trying to get CT out alone. Then there's something where, like, okay, they're getting the hang of it, and it's, like, three the three people up top are still intact, and then there's, like, one person down below, and it's Trishel. And everybody's like, okay, like, we're understanding how this works. We can't get CT, so just move it over and get to the next person. But Phaedra makes a mistake. Her first mistake in Trader's history is deciding to go for Trishel. And they're all like, that's really weird because we all kind of were all in this together and had a plan. And then you kind of went rogue and went for somebody who was coming for you earlier. So now everybody's got their one eyebrow out on Phaedra. So when they get back to the house, everybody's helping themselves to like, uh, it seems like the hot bar for the evening was just some mac and cheese. I don't know, because Trishel's like, I'm so hungry, I'm lactose intolerant. It looks so good. I can't eat. (laughs) Peter tries to work on Sandra to convince her, but they decide that John might be better for the job for that. So while Trishel tries to work, like, they do that. They split up. The Peters pals split up. Trishel tries to work on Kate and MJ. Peter's plan is to separate Phaedra from everybody else so that he has this, like, one-on-one conversation with her. Excuse me. So Peter tells Phaedra, I don't want to think it's you, but I just do. I can't shake the reasons why. Meanwhile, Trishel's telling the Bravo ladies she feels like during the competition Phaedra moved from trying to aim towards CT to her, which she feels like is, what she said, her, her buzzword, compelling information. That's not faithful behavior. And then Kate says, okay, Trishel, but if you want to use that line of logic, then shouldn't Peter... like Peter shouldn't have tried to keep a traitor in. Like He tried to keep Parvati in. So... Kate goes in a confessional. It's not like I think Peter's a traitor because I'm the traitor, but I know he wants to stay till the end and I just don't want him to. So that's why I want to vote him out. So then Trichelle tells the girls, I'm really feeling like y'all as Bravo people have this blind loyalty. And MJ's like, Oh no, no, that's not true. I did not come to this castle to win uh, RuPaul's best friends race. I'm not trying to win a personal, personality contest with these ladies So if any of us do that, we're going to lose. I'm going to go in with a very open mind. And then MJ says in a confessional, while we are Bravo girls, if Phaedra's a traitor, then I kind of feel like Sheree and Kate and I would be more interested in finding that out than worrying about what Phaedra's going to think. So then we see CT, poor, sweet, hot CT, alone and struggling because he's now really thinking like, I think my castle mommy in Phaedra is displaying some traitorous behavior by trying to get Trishel out and he's like I don't know what to do because I consider Phaedra a friend in this game but like it's getting kind of tough so he goes to Trishel and they're like you know what I think you're right Trishel I I think she's got to get out so we get to the round table and Kate says I'm just gunning for Peter and just hoping that everybody is too. And, you know, that's it. Listen, are we gonna have some explaining to do when he gets out and says that he's a faithful? Yes, but I'm not worried about that right now. (laughs) After that, John does the duty of explaining why he feels like Phaedra is a traitor. And this is like the first time where people kind of eat their compelling informations, okay? He says one of the reasons is that both of the traders that they've gotten out have put Phaedra's name on their lips before they left, and he thinks that like it matters to banish the traders. Of course, it's a game of skill and intuition and calculation and maneuvering. But Phaedra's approach seems to be like to avoid error, and he calls her Flylow Phaedra, who's noncommittal by day but fatal under the cover of darkness. And then he says, I am absolutely clear in my mind that if I don't banish Phaedra, and that's unsuccessful, then I'm not going to be here tomorrow. And so there's no longer time to sit on the fence. You have to confront and defeat your enemy. Phaedra, you're a traitor, and you need to be banished. Banished into eternity. So then Phaedra's like, well, I'm glad you're not God. Now, you speak very eloquently, and unfortunately... This isn't Parliament, so if you could bring it down a notch and just get to the point, we would really appreciate it. And in the case of me, I'm grateful, and with those two traitors who you so eloquently said have you banished, have had what they've had in common is that uh, um, both of them were in collusion with your little bromance friend, Peter. So if you're such a traitor hunter, then why aren't you talking about that, John? And since you so eloquently defend him, um, you know, you should know that he likes me so much that he wants to work with me. So answer that, Peter. So Peter's like, no, 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 I'm not trying to work with you. I just asked to have a conversation with you. And Phaedra's like, you have all these closed-door meetings where you're like, oh, everybody's got to leave the room and I'll talk to you later. And Peter goes, well, there's nothing wrong with that because you never know who's listening. And if there's something illogical about that, then I guess we're just disconnected, Phaedra. So Phaedra says, but you play all these tricks and things here and there and say that you're faithful, but what you must have forgotten, Peter, is that This is not The Bachelor, and I don't have to kiss your ass for a rose. Check that. (laughs) So then she's like, listen, you play the game and it's all me, me, me. I don't have to answer to you. I don't have to convince you that I'm not a traitor. So that's where you've got me messed up. So Peter goes, oh, gosh, that makes me angry. I don't want you to be a traitor. Phaedra, I liked you until those words that you just gave me. And then he calls her out for, like, you're just upset because I rejected the Letter to be a traitor. And Phaedra goes, I don't know anything about a Letter. So, Peter's like, okay, well, you can critique my gameplay all you want, but don't call me a selfish player because that's the last thing I am. And then CT says, he has a little exhibit a that he would like to submit into evidence. And then he takes his little chalkboard that everybody's supposed to draw their names on. And he draws a little map with the four squares, the three on top with the names, the, the, um, the stained glass names that he's talking about the game from before. He has three squares on top. And then there's one on the bottom. So he's teacher CT is like pointing to the right corner And then he points to the top left one. And he goes, we were just going here. We're like, we were right here. The balls were going all over the place. Why wouldn't you just move over and have a better shot at a bigger target instead of going all the way down here for somebody who's been attacking you recently? You were trying to prevent Trishel from getting that shield. And this is the first time that Phaedra was like, oh, shit. You, You could tell she really got caught up. So Trishel says, you know... We had a plan, and also the night before, Kevin, Peter, and I, we all decided to go for you, Phaedra, but now Kevin's gone. And, you know, you wouldn't let me get that shield, and you were going to murder me. Phaedra really has nothing to say to that, but luckily Sandra interrupts them and says, but I've got an issue with Peter. You wanted to save Parvati, despite knowing that she's a traitor. That really sets some alarms off with me. It just does not make sense. This is what Sheree says. To jump from where we were to like you saving Parvati because you think she's going to give you information, and Peter says, "But that's the only way to get to the end. It's you've got to work with somebody that you know for sure is a traitor." So then Peter says, "The fact that he tried to save." Parvati was, like, proof that he—excuse me, Bergie. He's like, I tried to say Berge. That should be proof to all of you guys that I'm not a traitor. And Trishel says, in what world would any traitor make the moves that Peter made? Like, it's just not going to happen. And Peter's like—he's he, so frustrated. He's like, if you guys don't get this right tonight, the traitors are going to win the game. I'm just going to tell you that now. So the votes begin, and it's four and four. Four for Phaedra, four for Peter. MJ is the determining factor, and y'all piss me the fuck off because we do not see who MJ votes for, which unfortunately leads me to believe that it must be Phaedra. And like, at this point, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? I'm so excited to find out you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. See you guys tomorrow with the Love is Blind recaps. Love you. Bye.